I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, and joining me, friend of the pod. Uh, second time guest, I think now. You know yes, him as Reddit Mavs on Twitter. Ruben, what you got for me? Uh, nothing much, man. Just, you know, trying to, you know, go through, you know, trying to make life as normal as possible right now. So, Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not normal uh, in a lot of ways, but hopefully this show can continue to be some normalcy for you guys, a little distraction. We're going to continue our series talking to some of the biggest Mavs fans about the past, present, and future of this Mavericks team. Uh, Ruben, let's start with the Mavericks right now. Uh, this season has been incredible in a lot of ways. What's been your favorite part of the season? Um, my favorite part so far is, has has been uh, seeing uh, Luca and Kristaps just you know start to you know gel together, and you know a lot of people thought it would take a little time, and it has taken a little bit of time. But you know, I think a lot some people thought it would take even longer than it has, and up until you know things you know things happened, you know it's they've been gelling really really well. So yeah, that, that's been. An incredible, like, we thought that this whole season maybe would be the time when they, they, like you said, gel together and they become, you know, this really good tandem. But they've really sort of figured it out already up to, you know, a point. Uh, And we were seeing some of their best basketball before the hiatus. So uh, they're ahead of schedule, right? Like, you, you, would you say that they're ahead of schedule in your mind? Oh, absolutely. They are, like, again, like, I'm a super optimist, you know, and even I was, like, Oh, like this year, like, you know, Chris Ops will get his legs back, you know, yeah. get his legs under him. And, you know, Luca might regress a little bit, but I didn't expect this. So, you know. Yeah, the the Luca regression aspect of it is something, too. Like, he had such a good rookie season, like, so good. And I think the only way he actually has regressed has been in clutch games, right? And that's been the thing that has us tearing our hair out the most, you know, in yeah. clutch games when last year he was one of the best clutch players in the NBA. Absolutely. You know, I think it's just a combination of just like, you know, now like last year there wasn't expectations really. This year there's more expectations. So I think it's a combination of that and then obviously like, you know, teams, you know, preparing better for him in the, you know, in the clutch. So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting thought there with, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a quarterback, right? Like a rookie quarterback, like an RG3 or something. You know, teams don't have any film on him and all of a sudden he has this incredible season and then comes out the next year and he doesn't play as well because teams have this film on him and they can game plan for some of his tendencies and they have stats and analytics on him and who knows if teams out there even had uh like stats for Luca because he was you know EuroLeague and who knows what coaches were actually looking at and what they took seriously they probably had stats and info about him but maybe certain coaches didn't take it seriously because I mean there are there's Jim Boylan type coaches out there who knows what they think about exactly <laughs> you know, exactly EuroLeague so. and stuff like that <laughs> um so Tim Hardaway Jr. is a, a player that a lot of us have been wrong about. So it, this could be your answer. It could not be. But what's something you were the most wrong about with this season? Uh, let's see. <laughs> it probably is Tim Hardaway. You know, like, I think last time I was on here, like, I said that I wanted him to, you know, I wanted to be decent. I didn't think he'd be this decent. Like, <laughs> where it's like he's almost like, it's almost like he's on the cuffs of, like, an all-star type, you know, player at certain points, certain nights, you know? 
So yeah, like my you know my analogy, you're a ten percent player, a twenty percent player, you know fifty percent player. Like the type of player he is on certain nights, yeah, he like he is a you know twenty point per game scorer with some solid defense. Uh, probably about fifty percent, maybe forty percent of the time, which is incredible. I mean, it's not something that we definitely expected, and uh, we actually just did a podcast last week about Tim Hardaway Jr.'s whole journey. So if you want to hear more about that, go listen to that pod from last week. Um, but it's pretty wild uh, that he has just become this solid player and a player that some Mavs fans can't imagine this team without. Are you at that point yet where you're like, we have to keep this guy at all costs? Um, I wouldn't say at all costs. You know, I think yeah. um, I'd love to retain him. Like uh, that's would be like one of my number one priorities this offseason is to make sure, you know, we keep him um, or whenever, you know, stuff is stuff is out. You know, yeah. Whenever it happens. Done. Yeah. But uh, you know, um, you know, I think there's a price point where I'd be like, no, like, yeah, I'd be like, oh, you know, I don't want to give him that. But yeah, at the same time, like he's done so well. I remember him talking about how he wanted to be the Finley right. of like the trio. And I'm like, <laughs> and at the beginning of the year, it was like, oh, that's like, okay, that's cute. Like, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how he does. And then now it's like, actually, like this would be good. You know, like I would, I would like to see this. So. Yeah. The Finley comment. I, I Honestly, we probably laughed in his face, right? I mean, a lot yeah. of us did. We're like, haha, yeah. Like you said, that's really cute. Like, good for you, man. We all have dreams. <laughs> right? Yeah, now it's like, well, actually, you know, actually, he's done really well. Like, as a third fiddle, sometimes second fiddle. So. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. wild. Uh, okay, the Mavericks right now, let's say they had to um, start the playoffs. They're playing the Clippers. What's your what's your thoughts about a Mavs Clippers first round? Uh, do you think that they – how many games do you think they win? Let's start there. Uh, I think one, maybe two, maybe two. It's tough. I it's mean, so it's, tough. It's, the, yeah, it's the worst team that they could have been matched up with. And, uh, are you the type of fan that goes back and says, man, we should have won this game. Should have won the San Antonio game that they played so bad. And, you know, should have won games uh, here and there. You know, I mean, like you can, th- I, I'm really not like, I like to like, I like to th- look at it like, Hey, like this happened. Okay. Let's move on. Like, I don't like to dwell on things that already yeah. happened because, I don't control it. Like, you know, they control it. Like it's not on me necessarily. So I just like, you know, people come to me on Twitter and they complain. I'm like, okay, like I get it. Like (laughs) y'all can complain. Like I I totally get it. Like I just like the second, like what I do, like I'm very Zen about it now. I think after 2011, I was just like, okay, like whatever happens now, like I'm cool with, (laughs) but you know, like, so for me, like I, I give myself like five minutes to like be mad, like, you know, cuss the TV or whatever, like, go on Twitter, like, rant for a second. And then after that, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like, you know, like, I try to drop it as soon as, like, as quickly as I can. Because if I, if I get in the motion of, like, hey, like, oh, this should happen, this should happen, like, I, it just, it it eats me alive. And I'd rather not do that. <laughs> so, Do you find yourself cussing at the TV? Uh, not, uh, I wouldn't say cussing at the TV, more like cussing, <laughs> like, on my phone. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, you've seen my tweets, so, you know. Online ranting. Yes. Which happens. Uh, yes. is, is there been a moment this season that caused you to do that the most that you could think of? Uh, let's see. Um, definitely that game against the Lakers, I think, was one. And I don't think I, like, went, like, on, like, like you know, like, on the account and was, like, cussing up a storm. But I definitely, like, we I have um, a group chat with some people, and, like, we were just, like, venting for, like, <laughs> 10 minutes and I was like, okay, this is too much. Like I got to stop. Like I'm going to turn off, I'm going to turn off, you know, Twitter and just like, you know, decompress for like an hour. <laughs> so those threads where people say this is a safe pl- place, like say whatever you want. I think those save lives. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've done a few. Like, I know I've done a few. Some other guys have done a few. And I'm just like, yeah, let's just, you know, let's get it all out now, like, before we tear each other apart. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, well, and I think those, I honestly kind of think those are important because people feel a lot of feelings. And if you don't have a place to go and say stuff, then. Uh, you're just going to start yelling at a person and then somebody might take it personally, right? Exactly. Yeah, it can, you know, like if you're at a bar and you're just like, oh, like, I can't talk about this right now with anybody. Yeah. Like, you know, so. Or you go, like, start adding somebody on Twitter. Like, you yell at Kirk or you yell at me or you or, oh, you know, somebody yes. like that. And you start going yeah. after somebody and you're like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I know. I was like, I wasn't on the court. Like, what if, <laughs> like why are you yell? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so. so, all right, coming up, let's get into the past, look back and talk about Dirk, 2011, how you became a Mavs fan, and all that. Here with Ruben, Reddit Mavs, coming up. All right, Ruben, uh, let's start with this. When did you become a Mavs fan? Ooh, okay. So let's see. Um, so when I was really little, uh, I grew up in the 90s, early 90s slash early 2000s. Um, so when I was really little, I was a huge, huge Michael Jordan fan because of the 90s. You know, just like that's what I knew. That's what my cousins knew, like – I was just like, I loved Michael Jordan, like wherever, like wherever, the Bulls in general, really. But like Michael was my guy. I was like Michael and like Saudi Pippen were like my guys. And um, when Michael retired, I was, I think I was eight or nine when Michael retired uh, from in 98. So, you know, I was like, okay, 99 or whatever. And I was like, my cousin was like, hey, like maybe we should look into like actually like watching like our home team. And I'm like, why you know like <laughs> they've been bad you know all stuff and then my my cousin's like well no there's like this guy from germany or someplace out there who is just tall lanky dude but he can actually play you know, a little bit and i was like he's like a young guy and all stuff and i was like oh, okay cool so i'm like you know 10 years old and i'm you know we didn't have money to really go to games stuff like that yeah but like i would catch the games whenever i could you know like on tv or whatever and um so at that point i was like, okay cool like this is my team now and like for me, a lot of it's always been like I have to root for like the teams that are, like around me. So like, like I'm a Rangers fan, baseball, and like yeah. Cowboys, kind of. Like I'm not really big a football fan, but if it's there, I'll watch it, whatever. But the Mavs were always like, okay, like because I like basketball. I thought it was like super fast paced and it was cool and exciting and seeing guys dunk and stuff like that was like awesome as like a nine year old, ten year old. Yeah, yeah. So it still is, but you know, like just like just one of those things. So at that point, like around you know around 2000, 2001, it was like okay, like now I see, like, okay, now we have, like, Dirk is there and, you know, Finley and all these guys are there. And just, like, that's when we I really saw, like, Dirk starting to become, like, you know, the greatest thing ever in my life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to that point. So, yeah, it's kind of around the era. It was around, you know, right when Michael was retiring. And then, you know, I was like, okay, let me just follow my local team instead of – because I didn't like the Bulls, really. It was more just, like, again, like, Michael and Scotty, so – so Dirk did become one of the best things in your life then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Did that <laughs> at what point did that happen for you? Was it 2011? Was it before then? No, it was uh I was like I forgot what game it is, man. It was uh I want to say 2002, 2003, I think. Oh wow. Is when it was like okay, like I, he just had one game where I was just I can't remember, but it was just like one of those games where it's like he was like unstoppable and I was like and to me like he always seemed like this like this being that shouldn't exist because at the time like i knew like power i knew i knew enough basketball to know like power forwards and, and you know centers are like guys who are in the paint guys who like 
are there to grab rebounds, block shots, like maybe like yeah. dunk, you know? But he was out there like stretching the perimeter, like just like doing all this stuff. But I was like, why is he doing this? Like, how is he doing this? <laughs> like, you know, and as I got older, I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Like, especially like once like 2011 and stuff, like around like the late 2000s and early, you know, 2010s, I was like, oh, of course, like he's a revolutionary player. <laughs> so that totally makes sense now. Like everybody's doing what he's doing now. So that, you know. Yeah, the so. the way that the NBA has gone to the point where there's guys, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, there's, um, you know, guys that just so easily stretch the floor and shoot. I mean, even Porzingis, you know, Laurie Markin, yeah. and you know, guys like that. Even Joel Embiid has shot, you know, threes here and there, uh, and does it pretty pretty easily. He doesn't hit them at a high clip, but he can. He still stretches out and yeah. and hits them. Uh, you know, Vucevic and guys, just guys like that. There's so many guys you can start talking about. Um. Those guys have made Dirk seem less of an anomaly. Uh, and maybe that's because he set the pace, and maybe that's because he set the example. But uh, those guys make Dirk seem less of uh, of an, a, a unique player at this point because that's where the game went. But Dirk at that time, like you said, was just something completely different. And I'm sure you know everyone listening to this knows that at this point. But I think it's lost on the NBA community that you know Dirk was one of the first that really, really revolutionized yeah. that and became... Uh, that that was his game, right? It wasn't just something he did on the side. It was that is what he did. Was he you know, stretched the game on the perimeter? He could you know hit a bucket anywhere on the court, and just not a lot of guys his size did that. Exactly, it's amazing. I, yeah, I, yeah. we cannot give Dirk enough credit on this podcast, and yet I still find myself maybe once a month or so going into a rant about how Dirk <laughs> is underappreciated. And he is. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are your uh, What are some of your earliest Mavs fan experiences? You remember the first game you went to? Um. Oh my god, dude. Uh. Gosh. Let's see. Uh. Or what's like an early game you went to? An early game. I think I went to a game. Oh, what year was it? So like, so I had a friend who would get like I think his um his mom's like boss or something like that. Yeah. Like had season tickets. So on occasion, like he'd be like, "Hey, do you want to go?" This is like me in I think middle school. Yeah, I was in middle school. So I was like, "Yeah, this is like 2003, 2004." And I think it was like 2004. I think we went to a game against um, it, who was it? It was a Western Conference team. Um, oh my gosh, who was it? It might have been the Warriors actually, because I remember that being like a game that like his uh like his mom his mom's boss did not want to go to <laughs> so it's like so he just give out tickets like the games that he just did not care about right so he was like so he gave us like we had like four tickets so it was me my friend and then like his parents were there and uh i don't remember too much about it because like i just remember just being like oh like, this is crazy like we're here at this thing you know like i've never i've never been to a basketball court at that at that point yeah so i was there and i was like this is awesome and it's funny because um yeah i was against the war i think it was against the warriors but it's funny because um, after that, I didn't go to games for like for like a decade, I think. And I think just because like I just didn't have time, or um, we really didn't have a lot of money at the time because you know stuff, you know the economy and stuff like that. So we just didn't have time or money to go anymore. And then my friend moved away too, so you know, <laughs> so just like I had no way of getting to games and stuff like that. And I didn't start going again until I want to say 2013, 2014. And at that point, like I had already graduated from college and had a little bit of money and could afford to like go on my own without like having to, you know, wait for anybody else. So, yeah. So, yeah. So at that point, 
you know, Dirk was already, he was already the man for you and you were just like in awe. Yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. Just, just like, I remember just, I remember cause the, 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 uh, the tickets were at the platinum level. Mm. Uh, platinum, so they weren't too far back, but they were still close enough to where I could see everything. And I was just like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, and I, the first thing I remember thinking was like, wow, these guys can really move. <laughs> like, <laughs> first thing I thought was, wow, these guys can really move. And wow, these guys are huge. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a thing. Like, Go ahead. Excuse. No, I was just saying, like, because, like, when I was, um, you know, like, we see them on TV, they're like, you know, the, you see a guy who's like 6'6, six, six, you know, like, you're 6'6. Six, six. Like, oh, that's, you know, that's that's tall, but you don't realize it until you actually see it when you're like in middle school. You're like, oh, like, I'm like five foot. This dude's like a foot and a half, you know, taller than me. This guy's huge. So. Yeah, I think everyone at a certain point thinks I know how big things are, right? I can I can guess how big six nine is or seven feet, right? It's only a foot yeah. taller than than this or whatever, and and then you get there and it's just something so different. It's something about it's not just the height; it's the it's the width as well, right? Because it, you don't just get taller and people stay the same size they were when they were six feet, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. One of the one of the my memories of. Uh, it wasn't obviously the first time I've been to a game or anything, but I went to Summer League, I think back in uh, 2015, 2016. And, uh, man, standing next to Joel Embiid in that area where, oh um, you know, the players and a bunch of, like, coaches and stuff, they all just kind of hang out, and I was able to go back there. And I I walked over and stood next to Joel Embiid because guys are just all standing around, and I didn't want to talk to him or bother him or anything, but – just standing next to that guy, he's so big. He's just so his shoulders are so wide, uh, and I'm I'm six three, but he's a foot taller than me. He's like a a, a good foot taller than me. And it's that's just an crazy. amazing yeah. feeling standing next to a guy like that. Uh, and it is that's lost on TV too. If you just watch on TV, you don't go in person. You don't just realize how big guys are. Yeah. Uh, the first game I ever went to was uh, in L.A. It was Shaq um, and Kobe versus uh, Yao Ming in the Rockets. And oh, man. That must have been fun. I was up in the 300 level. I was up at the very top because uh, those were the tickets we could afford at the time. And I could still just see how big Yao and Shaq were. Uh, and that just, I mean, it's it's amazing how big Yao Ming is and the things he was able to do. Uh, I wish he would have been able to play out his career, but... Um, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. He would have been an he just would have been an incredible player, especially for today's NBA. He wouldn't have lasted this long, but uh, yeah, but man, yeah, yeah he he would have just been an incredible player. Uh, do you have a, a favorite non Dirk Maverick, like a guy you look back on that has been like your favorite player that wasn't necessarily Dirk? Um, that hasn't been Dirk in the past. Uh, I would say probably Jet. Mm. I think that's as a you know I think a lot you know I've I've when I'm ranking like my favorite Mavs players, like it's usually it's obviously Dirk, and then like Luca's there somewhere. I just don't know where he is yet, you know, because it's you know, yeah. I just have so many like old memories of like. So for me, it's always a you know, it's always um a battle between like Nash and uh, Jet are those two guys. Where I'm like, oh, I love those guys so much, but I just can't, you know, for me to pick. And any given day, I give you a different answer between those. <laughs> So right. but today it feels like Jet, just because I've been, uh, I listened to um, Mike Frawler's uh, Forgotten Mavericks podcast yeah, about yeah. him, and I was like, oh man, like, this is awesome. So Yeah, he just, yeah, Mike Frawler has, uh, uh, I think it's not for, it's Mavs Archives now, yeah, I think, Mavs at Archive, this point. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. Uh, and it's for the Mavs Podcast Network, and he just, he just interviewed Jet, so if you're interested, if you're looking for something to do, go listen to that podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. Mike, so. Like, it's really awesome. Friend so. of the show, Mike. We should have him on for this, I think. Yeah. Um, 
What is a what's a maverick that people don't talk enough about today? Um, okay, so uh, so ba- okay, so let me give you a story. So basically, um, my first jersey, my first ever basketball jersey, um, I wanted to be different. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, I think it was 2005, 2006. It was one of those years, and um, I had my dad had a friend who worked for like a a sports store, like a sports merchandising store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always used to like gravitate towards like role players or guys who weren't the superstars because they wanted to be different. It was at the time where I was just like, I'm going to go against the crowd. Right. So (laughs) for some, I loved him. I love him to this day, but uh, Stackhouse, Mm. I think was like one of my favorites growing up just because it was just like, I remember there was, I think it was during, actually it was during the finals in 2006 finals when uh, we're watching the game and I had, I had my Jersey on everything. I had, my dad had gotten me a Stackhouse Jersey and I have it still. It's in my closet actually right now. (laughs) And uh, it doesn't fit me anymore, but it's there. (laughs) And uh, so um, I was wearing my Stackhouse Jersey and I think we were playing at home. We won the games at home in the finals and someone had brought a, uh, it was a poster and it says, why have a shack when you can have a stack house? And I thought that was like the most baller thing. <laughs> and I was just like, I was, like it just, it's in my brain. I remember like my dad being like, that's hilarious, but it's shack. And I'm just like, yeah, right. I know. But for me, I was like, Oh, like, you know, stack house is going to do this. He's going to do this. Like, <laughs> you know, like for some reason, like that was the player that I just like latched onto. And I remember like, he had done like a Reddit AMA or something like that a while back. <laughs> and like, I asked him, I was like, Hey, like, like I have a Jersey of gears. Like I might've been the only kid ever to have your Jersey growing up. Like, <laughs> you know, like if Ma- anyone from the Mavs, you know, fandom to have your Jersey, like will you sign it. And I never got a response, but I didn't care. Uh, like, I was just like, this is hilarious, dude. Like he's on here and I'm <laughs> kind of talking to him, but not really, you know? So, Oh man, that that poster is hilarious. Why have yeah, a I need to, I'm, I've looked for it. Like for I, I need to see if I can actually like find like that game and like see if I can actually like, comb through it because it's so awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> that's great. All right, coming up, let's get into the future of this Mavs team. What this Mavs team needs going forward, uh, the prospects of it. We'll talk about that with Ruben coming up. All right, Ruben, let's talk about this Mavs team going forward. Um, for this Mavs team, what do you think is their biggest need going forward? Maybe it's a, not a specific player, but what does this team need more of? Uh, see, what's, I think this team, man, it's such, especially I haven't been able to watch a game in forever, but, you know, um, for this team in particular, um, we just need to learn how to, like, close games. You know, like, I don't know, mm. you know, I feel like Luca feels like he has to, like, have, like, all of it on him and i think that you know obviously like i think it's very dangerous to like get into like the mental aspect of things because we don't know you know we're not professionals at this but you know um like my background is in psychology kind of you know background psychology so i you know have a master's and you know some stuff like that but um you know for me it's just like something mental it almost seems like something mental to me where it's just like you know they feel like you know like they just buckle under pressure and that's probably because they're really young still and probably because like this is the first like this was this hopefully will be the first year where like everybody's together and everybody's like you know knows the system and knows rotations and 
Carlisle's yelling, but he's not yelling because he's super frustrated, you know? Mm. Um, Because it's frustrating to watch, you know? It is frustrating to see, like, just us, like, buckle under the pressure. And, like, so I think just, like, working on the clutch play and even working on, like, free throws. You know, I've tweeted tweeted before, like, hey, like, let's, like, I will literally, like, grab the rebounds for y'all's free throws, you know? Like, (laughs) I will literally, like, go go in the gym and help out you guys out and, like, like, pump in crowd noise or something, you know, where it's, like... Because there was one game I'd I'd gone to a game um, like a month ago, and um, people started doing the MVP chant for Luca, and he was at the he was at the line, and he bricked both his free throws, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like I don't know what it is. I don't know if he just like doesn't. He seems like the type of guy who doesn't like to be in the crowd, like not to be in the uh, the spotlight too much. Like on occasion he will, but like not all the time, you know. And I feel like. I thought with like Kristaps here, like that'd be alleviated a little bit, but at the same time, I feel like he's still thinking the team in general thinks that they're they put too much pressure on themselves to close out games. You know, it's just it's a mental block or something. So yeah, it's it's fascinating to think about that, especially looking at you know the free throw numbers and how they've not been very good in clutch games, and think about how you know that is a lot. You know, mental because these guys can shoot free throws. They're good, they're good at it. And something as simple as stepping up to the line and hitting it, it does feel like there is some sort of mental block there. And yeah, it could be just youth. It could be just inexperience with you know playing with each other and chemistry. And um, hopefully, with this team being able to you know be together, a lot of these guys are on multiple year deals. Hopefully, they can develop some more chemistry to where they get to that point. Do you think that there's something about overconfidence with Luca that could? be detrimental to this team maybe like from a psychology angle that you you feel overconfident so you go in and not preparing yourself to a degree or is that just nothing um i feel like that could be an issue again like i'm not the sports psychologist on the team and stuff like that and right. i don't you know <laughs> talk to these guys and like you know get into their mind stuff like that but just like as a bystander like i feel like he is a little bit overconfident sometimes i'm not gonna say cocky but i feel like he just like He's like, okay, like I've won, like I've won, you know, the second hardest league in the, the entire world. Like I've won, you know, I've won like all these little championships. I've done like all this little stuff, you know. And now here I am, like on like the greatest stage, like as an NBA, as a basketball player in the world, you know. And so like I should be able to do this, you know, like right, you know, I should be able to do this. And I think for him, like it's just like, well, you can do this, you know, you probably will be able to do this, but you know, for right now, you probably still need to prepare mentally a little bit better, or need to prepare like your body a little bit better to, and also like, you know, him like, and I like that he like, you know, barks at the refs and will, you know, um, stand up for himself. But at the same time, like, you know, you can tell like when a ref is like, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> like, right. Right. Stop doing it. You know? And like, and I've like, I've like talked to my TV and I'm like, Hey dude, please stop. <laughs> like <laughs> just stop. Like just for, take a moment, like breathe. Like, do something to call to cool yourself down, but I think there's some, I think there's a little bit of air overconfidence at the moment. I think you know with the time off right now and you know eventually like going back and like working out with the guys and kind of just like hey like you know I think this think this whole hiatus has been a little bit nice for them just so they can step back you know chill out a little bit like go on Instagram live and just be <laughs> you know. Maybe had a few, you know, glasses of wine or something like that, and just can chill out for a little bit, you know, <laughs> so he can get his mental stuff back, you know, just to 
like a reset almost. Yeah, so. and get get some more perspective. Hopefully, yeah. Um, do you think that people overblow Luca yelling at the refs and um, you know getting frustrated with him being focused too much on that? Because it it does seem a little bit like there's some sort of um, correlation between Luca getting frustrated with the refs and his you know lack of of shooting ability in the in the fourth quarter and in clutch moments. It feels like that just gets on his brain too much. Yeah, I think yeah. There's yeah. There's definitely some you know. I think definitely that has something a little bit to do with it. Um, you know, like I get frustrated with the refs. I know we all right. get frustrated yeah, yeah. with the refs. You know, we're yeah, we like, do. you know, like I've told I've said on Twitter before, like, hey, like let it, like Luca, let us take care of it. You know, like just like do what you need to be doing. Like I like it's got to be frustrating getting like your arm clawed, you know, by nails. Like I've seen the pictures of him just like you know, scratches all over his arms. It's got to get frustrating for him just to, you know, have to deal with that in and out. And, you know, I feel like he, he should be getting these calls. You know, he should absolutely. But I still think there's like this weird, like older mindset where it's like, you have to earn your wings. almost. You know, where it's like, you know, I think like even last year, like they were calling stuff for him. And I think after a while, they just weren't calling anything for like two months last year on anything for him, which was very frustrating. And I think this year he almost just had like a reactionary to that, even from going back to last year. Mm. And he's just like trying to be proactive, but it's really reactive, you know, to stuff. And, you know, I think that does like, this is one of those things that you will have to work on, you know, just like, and I've heard like, I think um, I've like seen quotes or stuff from like Goran Dragic being like, you know, it's just like how we are from that area of the world, you know, just very hot, you know, hot blooded and mm. just constantly wanting to, you know, butt heads, but you know, NBA, different culture, stuff like that. So, yeah, the culture angle of it is, is interesting. And the fact that there does, there is some sort of that, that mindset of, you know, you're a rookie, you're still a young player, you know, second year player, you have to earn your stripes. You have to earn a little bit of your, uh, your cachet with the refs and get to a certain point. And that, is so dumb, right? If we had robots like refereeing the NBA, that wouldn't happen. There wouldn't be some sort of, <laughs> right? There wouldn't be some sort of, yeah. in the algorithm, it wouldn't be, well, if you're this, you know, if you've been in the league this long and you have this, some sort of, you know, voice in the NBA that you get these calls, right? It would just be, yeah. these are the calls. And so if Luca doesn't get the calls, it frustrates him, frustrates us too, uh, like you said. And, and, you know, and, but that, that does seem to be some sort of block there. And hopefully at some point, you know, I believe he's going to get past it. Hopefully, it, sooner rather than later and it comes whenever these playoffs get played yeah exactly i think once these playoffs get played i think that's when like it's almost not like coronation but just like hey i'm here like i made the playoffs like i'm one of the the biggest stage again like in the world like millions of people are watching this you know hopefully hopefully we're not on nba tv you know (laughs) so i can't imagine with luca they put him on nba tv right yeah i hope not it's usually an easter conference team i've realized so (laughs) yeah that's true uh all right ruben tell everybody where they can find you uh on twitter or where else uh let's see you can find me on twitter at at reddit mavericks um i technically do have an instagram page it's not really that like well curated i just have it because <laughs> it's just there. i don't want to make sure no one steals the at so <laughs> i'm also on there you can follow me there too i don't really post as much because the season's not really in play right now so right there you go so go follow him on twitter guys appreciate you listening we'll be back tomorrow thanks so much for listening to locked on maps yeah peace out boom yeah.